0: Bruce Boudreaux is out as coach of the Vancouver Canucks. Rick Tockett is in. The Washington Capitals are without Alexander Ovechkin. We don't know yet for how long. And the Anaheim Ducks promise to be sellers at the trade deadline. We'll talk about who's available. All that and more on today's Locked On NHL podcast.
1: Your Locked On NHL, your daily podcast on the National Hockey League. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day.
0: And welcome, everybody, to the Monday edition of the Locked On NHL podcast. Gil Martin, so glad you could join us today. And thank you for making Locked On NHL your first listen every day. We are free and available on all platforms. This episode is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook, the official sportsbook of Locked On. Make every moment more. Visit fanduel.com slash Locked On today to get started. Well, the big news over the weekend a new coach in Vancouver, Justin Pooney of Locked On Canucks, joins us to discuss it. And Justin, I can't say I was shocked by the move, but
2: uh, maybe the timing a little bit surprising. What happened? Yeah. You know, Gil, it feels like just yesterday where the Canucks cleaned up house, they fired Jim Benning, they fired Travis Green, uh, Jim Rutherford, Patrick Alvin were brought in. Bruce Boudreau was brought in. And, you know, after we saw the second half of last year, that, that hey, these guys respond to Bruce Boudreau. These guys like Bruce Boudreau. This team um, is going somewhere. But the telling thing, and maybe the writing was on the wall before this even really got started, because Boudreau and Alvin, uh, sorry, Alvin Rutherford really never gave Bruce Boudreau the full vote of confidence. There was always the the comments in the media, um, the Never showing any support, and a guy like Bruce Bruder, who, who we saw the videos, we've seen all the clips of just how beloved he was in a short time in Vancouver by the fans. You saw last night in Edmonton against Edmonton, where uh, as the game ends, you know he salutes the fans one more time. Um, this this franchise, Gil, it's uh, it's one very near and dear to my heart, and I I've, I've seen the best times in this organization. I think I've never. And I never thought this franchise had hit rock bottom uh, until this week. This franchise, quite frankly, is the biggest laughing stock um, in the entire NHL. And you're seeing that get put on full display uh, for everybody in the NHL to see. The way they treated Bruce Bruder the last couple of weeks, parading him out there, him talking about, "I don't know why I'm still here, I don't know what this and that." Um, it's, quite frankly, it's embarrassing. It was disrespectful. It was it is not the way an organization should be run and a championship level organization should be run. And quite frankly, the Vancouver Canucks um, are further away from a Stanley Cup in my personal opinion than uh, they might have ever been because they have no plan. There is no plan with this organization. There is no structure, there is no ownership uh, from the top to bottom. Nobody takes, onus on what's going on, right? And I thought with a guy like Jim Rutherford who has won Stanley Cups, who's built championship organizations, a guy who's been in the, in the, in the game for decades upon decades, right? Uh, I thought that would be something to turn this organ. Hey, the buck stops with me. I, I have to, you know, there'll be no more of this. And I thought going into the season, I think we talked before the season started, um, these guys were going to be a playoff team. I felt that they had a chance. The talent was there. I felt that the the mojo was back. And from the jump, first opening night of the season, it's just fallen from the wayside. And we're here now, another coach, and we'll see what happens, I guess.
0: Do you think there was a point where Boudreaux lost the locker room or did he just never have the, the faith that ownership needed to have in him?
2: I... See, that's a diff- interesting question because I think at a certain point, players kind of clued in to, hey, management's not giving this guy any faith. So is he really the guy? And I think that it left the players in limbo. Like, okay, well, is this guy really going to be around? What's that whole indication? So I think management and ownership t- take the biggest amount of blame in this situation. Um, they just don't. And quite frankly, it goes to ownership. Francesco Iacolini um, and his lack of ability and wanting to rebuild and retool. Like last week when Jim Rutherford gave that iconic and amazing uh, press conference where Bruce Bruce our coach for now or we need major surgery when I thought we needed minor surgery, um, he still never said the word rebuild. He said it was more of a retool. Well, that's because Francesco Accolini. Uh, lost, as many teams that lost a bunch of money during COVID. And he does not want to rebuild uh, because he feels that fans will not show up. Well, if you look at the watch the games, fans aren't showing up because the product on the ice is garbage right now. And again, I don't know where to go from here. Um, I don't know what's going to happen. Um, but we know Rick Talk, the new head coach. We know Sergey Gonchar and Adam Foote are new assistant coaches. Uh, so there's experience there's Stanley cup winners. Um, but who knows what's going to happen?
0: What changes do you foresee that Tocket will implement to try to get something going for this team.
2: Well, we do know this. They're going to play with more structure. Uh, he mentioned that in his, his, uh, inter, you know, his, uh, his opening press conference today. Um, they're going to play. I think he said, we're not, he's like, I don't like river hockey, I guess, you know, uh, Tipping the hat to pond hockey and just a lack of structure uh, kind of was what Boudreaux's biggest deterrent was uh, with front office. So they didn't play enough with enough structure. Uh, so this team's going to play with structure. Um, can guys like JT Miller, a guy who has been very open about how he's not willing to change, at least in the media, right? About how he's going to be that sour type of guy, which I'm all for, right? But how are these guys going to buy into Rick Tockett's system? Because quite frankly, the playoffs are pretty much gone, right? Unless they go on another miraculous thing and they hope some things fall the way, the playoffs are done. And it looks like Bo Horvat's going to be gone too, which to me is the, one of the biggest mistakes this organization can make. But alas, that what, can, what we'll see what happens there. Um, this team is going to be going through a lot of changes, I think. Um, and this is the first one. And let's see what happens. Let's see how these guys perform. What's going to happen with Elias Patterson? He's He's in a contract situation where, you know, similar to Matthew Kachuk last year, he can uh, he's eligible for an extension. And if he doesn't want to re-up with the Canucks, right, you can say, you know what, forget this. I don't want to be here. Trade me, right? I don't want to re-sign here. And then, then what do they do, right? So... Interesting times ahead in Vancouver, to say the least. Any other players that you think might be on their way out at the trade deadline or before? Ah. Connor Garland's name's been band-aid around a bunch. You know, we'll see what Tyler Myers can do. Uh, Tanner Pearson's injured. So he's not going to get traded. Who knows what Brock Besser ever... You know, it seems like every second week or every couple months there's the Brock Besser rumor going around. So... Um, this team, I feel is going to look very different. Um, it might not be at the end of this season, but come next, uh, sorry, come start of next season, that major surgery that Jim Rutherford was talking about should be underway and we'll see what happens. We'll see what transpires. Um, but this team and this organization has got to do a lot of soul searching and it's, it's not looking pretty. Oh, it may get
0: worse before it gets better, but certainly interesting times ahead. Justin, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could find the podcast and where they could find you on social media?
2: Of course. So podcast Locked On Canucks on all your podcast platforms, Apple, Spotify, you know that. Uh, Go to YouTube, just type in Locked On Canucks. We are the first thing that shows up. Our show's Twitter is at Locked On Canucks. Follow us there. And you can follow myself on Twitter at Justin Cooney, J-U-S-T-I-N-P-O-N-I with an underscore at the end. And yeah, there'll be uh, definitely a lot more Canucks content because quite frankly, the Canucks are uh, the soap opera in the NHL that just loves to keep on giving. (laughs) Well, we'll keep track of
0: that and hopefully have you back if there's some big news. Justin, thank you so much for joining us. Thank you so much, Gil. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at Athletic Greens. Our next partner has a product I literally use every day. I started taking AG1 because I didn't want to have to take so many pills to get all the nutrition that I needed. So what is this stuff? Well, with one delicious scoop of AG1, you're absorbing 75 high-quality vitamins, minerals, whole food source superfoods, probiotics and adoptogens to help you start your day right. This special blend of ingredients supports your gut health, your nervous system, your immune system, energy, recovery, focus, and aging, all these things. And it's lifestyle-friendly, whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy-free, or gluten-free. Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day, and that's it. No need for a million different pills and supplements to look out for your health. And to make it easy, Athletic Greens is going to give you a free one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D and five free travel packs with your first purchase. All you have to do is visit athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network. Again, that's athleticgreens.com slash NHL Network to take ownership over your health and pick up the ultimate daily nutritional insurance. Well, whenever we have Washington Capitals news, we turn to the host of Locked On Capitals, Dan Holmey. And unfortunately, Dan, the news out of our nation's capital, not the best as Alexander Ovechkin missing a game due to injury. Can you fill us in on the latest news about the grade eight?
1: So he missed practice uh, due to a maintenance day, is what they initially said. And everyone didn't think a whole lot of it. They just thought they'd give Ovi a practice off. But uh, then it turned out more news started coming in that he was actually going to miss the game. And then after uh, Peter Laviolette spoke of that it is a lower body injury, that's all that's been released so far. But we're hoping that Ovi gets back in the lineup because we all know that he's the captain at the end of the day and the leadership qualities that he brings to this Caps team. And, you know, the, they
0: lose to Vegas in Vegas, six to two. How did the team try to adjust to life without Ovi in that game? And do you think that they'll change that approach if he continues to miss time?
1: Well, you know what they always say, what happens in Vegas stays in Vegas. And as far as I'm concerned, that can just stay in Vegas forever. I want to forget about that game. Uh, But they did a questionable thing as far as I'm concerned. Generally, I have Peter Laviolette's back as far as his decision-making is concerned. But he, instead of shaking up the lineups, decided to plug and play Anthony Mantha, a guy that's been scratched for the last several games. Um, But ultimately, he said that he just wanted to put Mantha on the top line (laughs) Um, so not to shake up the rest of the lines. I do not anticipate that happening going forward as they take on the avalanche next, but in some unfortunate event, if Ovi's not to go, I would not expect to see Anthony Mantha on the top line due to the results of last time. So how would you like
0: to see them approach it? If again, Ovi has to miss the next game in Colorado.
1: Listen, I would rather put most anyone on there (laughs) other than Anthony Mantha. He has been quite deplorable this season. I hear everyone talk about it you know, on Twitter and YouTube that they got to trade Anthony Mantha. Um, I mean, I guess ultimately it it remains to be seen who they... I think they would probably do a call-up or something of that nature. Um, as, As far as healthy scratches, there's not a lot of options to choose from. They have Alexi Protus, who is on the roster. I would ultimately rather go with Protus, I guess, over Anthony Mantha. Both of them have had kind of lukewarm seasons, so at the end of the day, we hope that Ov comes back. But uh, I would rather drop someone if is going to come back. I would put him lower in the lineup and put most anyone uh, in Ov's spot.
0: Now, as far as you know,
1: the line combinations
0: are concerned, that's one thing. But who steps up from a leadership perspective when
1: Ov is out of the lineup? So they gave Tom Wilson the A um, just as a leadership quality. It is my belief that he will be the captain of the Capitals when Ovechkin hangs up the skates at some point. He does have those great leadership qualities that they look for uh, in a leader on an NHL team. And, uh, you know, around the league, he's seen as, you know, kind of a tough guy, a goon. But it's a lot more than that. He brings a lot to the table as far as goal scoring and leadership. Um, And as I spoke about in this podcast or in other podcasts is the, the intimidation factor that he brings when they were playing the coyotes two other players were going to mix it up and all he had to do was skate into the vicinity and everyone kind of just skated away. So that is, you know, some of the intangibles that uh, Tom Wilson brings up. So to answer your question, I would say that Tom Wilson will be the one that steps up and takes on more of the leadership role.
0: Now, the Capitals have four games before the All Star break, three of them against quality opponents in Colorado, Pittsburgh, and Toronto. How important are these next four games in a very competitive battle for playoff position in the Metropolitan
1: Division and the Eastern Conference? I mean, man, they're so important if you think about it. This team struggled in October, November, they really found their way in December. And since Tom Wilson and Nick Backstrom have returned to this team, they've struggled a little bit with chemistry. Uh, They found some chemistry out there with some different lines, but to get this team gelling and going forward now to make a push for the playoffs, these games are what I consider must-win games. And if you take a look at it, they're playing Colorado, Pittsburgh, Toronto, and the Blue Jackets, which I guess are a little bit lower in the standings there. But, you know, a good litmus test or a measuring stick for me is always how a team plays against the best teams. You know, oftentimes I'll hear people say, well, the cap should be in good shape. They take on the Coyotes next. I don't want to see them do good just against poor teams. I want to see them play well against the best of the best, because ultimately that is who you're going to have to go through if you're going to want to win a Stanley Cup.
0: As far as the approach is concerned, do you think this team and the coaching staff tries to play any differently in these games if Ovechkin is not available or even if he is far from 100% and limited?
1: Well, I do think they, uh, they'll probably change their approach. Obviously, the setup is to have Ovi set up from his office at the left dot there and have him slam at home. Um, I, I guess, you know, it's going to remain to be seen. There's a lot of analytics and that kind of thing that go behind it, but I do see the lines shaking up a little bit. Um, at the end of the day, I would rather have Alex Ovechkin out there at 50% than most of any of the other players out there, not to disparage any of the other guys on the team. It's just that kind of quality of a player that he is out there that I would take him at 50 or 75% than a lot of other players out there. Trade deadline is about five, six weeks away. What do you anticipate the Capitals looking to do as we get closer? I think the Capitals will ultimately be pretty quiet. If you look at the moves they made during the season, they picked up Sonny Milano from a PTO from the Flames, killed it. Just amazing out there with uh, Backstrom and Wilson, the BMW line, they're calling it out there. And also Nicholas Abe-Cubell, who has been a pleasant uh, acquisition from the Toronto Maple Leafs, you know, kind of brings that uh, that fighting power. He also, you know, a physical game, a great goal score, but what do they plan on adding before the deadline? A depth defenseman would be ultimately all I would see them adding. Um, They don't have a lot of cap space to deal with. And, uh, you know, obviously the knee-jerk reaction that everyone comes at me with is they should trade Anthony Mantha. But then they seem people don't know how trades work. They say you should trade Anthony Mantha for Bo Horvat or Eric Carlson. And I'm like, (laughs) where do you live? I mean, he's been a healthy scratch the last several games. Why would anyone want him? So I ultimately think that Mantha will be on this team through the end of the season, at least as a depth piece to have in their back pocket. But uh, if they do make any moves, I see them being a comparable to like a Sonny Milano or Nicholas Abe-Cubell, uh, unless this team really face dives and then they want to pick up someone bigger. Say Ovechkin is out for the long term, uh, but I don't see them making any huge moves.
0: Dan, why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they could follow this story, find the podcast
1: and find you on social media? Yeah, so you can find me on Twitter. It's at DanCaps218. You can find the show on Twitter. It's at LockedOnCaps. And then, of course, you can find this podcast on YouTube and wherever you find your podcasts. All right, Dan Holmey of Locked on Capitals. thanks for joining us today. Always a pleasure talking hockey with
0: you. Thank you, sir. Today's episode is brought to you by your friends at FanDuel. The NFL playoffs are here. We're really excited about our new sports betting partner for Locked On because they're the number one sports book in America, FanDuel. And if you're new to FanDuel, that's even better. They have so many great features that make betting on sports fun and easy. New customers join today to get started with $150 in free bets guaranteed when you place your first $5 bet. To sign up at FanDuel.com slash Locked On, FanDuel has all your favorite bets from the money line to point spreads and player props. Plus, you can even combine your bets for a chance at a bigger payout with a same-game parlay. You can check out all the action on the NFC and AFC Championship games, plus the latest NHL games as well. It's all on the app that's safe, secure, and super easy to use. So football fans, hockey fans, don't miss out. Place your first $5 bet to get $150 in free bets, win or lose, at fanduel.com slash locked on. Make every moment more with FanDuel, official sports partner of the NFL. It is my pleasure to welcome back to the show, Jason Hernandez of Locked On Anaheim Ducks. And Jason, I know it hasn't been an easy season for the Ducks, but tell me a little bit about Trevor Zegers and company and what we can (laughs) expect from this team in the second half.
3: A few things. First, welcome to our new sponsor, FanDuel. Yes. (laughs) Yes. <laughs> so got got a welcome fan duel with open arms. Yeah. Second, I personally think Troy Terry's the best player on that team, hence why he's the lone all-star representative. Love me some Troy Terry. Birthday twin. What up? And <laughs> now I can talk about Trevor Zegers for a hot second. Trevor Zegers is one of the most dynamic players on the Ducks, but he's still got a ways to go. He's still young. Yeah. He's not in his prime yet. Wait until he gets in his prime. Then y'all better watch out. But for now, he's still in that sort of learning process, sort of not. And also, it doesn't help that Dallas Eakins doesn't know where to place him sometimes. Yeah. Center, wing, who knows?
0: What is the biggest area he needs to improve to get to that next level?
3: That's a great question. I think it would have to just be maybe, if anything, consistency. But that's true for a lot of young players, is they need to be on that consistent level for all 82 games. Because there's been maybe a handful of games, not many, but there's been a handful of games where he's pretty much disappeared from the ice virtually, or where he's getting just pummeled and can't seem to pick himself back up. But that will come with more experience. That consistency will come with more games. What doesn't help is that Dallas Eakins constantly moves him around still. Like I expect him to be first line center every game and he's not, which is still distressing. But hey, that's the Dallas Eakins era. What can I say?
0: Yeah, what can we say? Obviously, you know, the Ducks are not making the playoffs this year. We expect them to be, sellers at the trade deadline which is now about 5 6 weeks away who might be available from this team and what do you think they'd be looking for in return
3: I'm glad you asked so the number one player that will be looking to get picked up is John Klingberg the defenseman for the Ducks now John Klingberg could have had a longer deal but instead bet on himself and opted for that one year deal for 7 million. Now, here's a couple of tricks to this. It was a full no trade until January 1st. Because it was a one year deal, it was that weird thing, that weird kind of hitch in the contract where that 10 team list came out January 1st. So it was a mid-season change from full no trade to a 10 team. I mean, we haven't heard of that happening too much in this league because usually it's season by season, not a certain date. Right. But John Klinkberg bet on himself thinking that he was going to have a monster season and possibly get more money down the line because he was thinking, okay, I'm going to have a lot of goals this season, maybe score 20 something goals, have a lot of points, be a difference maker. He thought the ducks would be better in the standings than they currently are. It has been the complete opposite to the point where I honestly don't know if the ducks can get a first round pick from him anymore, which is really sad to say he has to pick it up in the next four weeks in order for the ducks to have a shot at a first round pick for John Klingberg. And this is me being realistic. It'll take a lot for that to happen. What'll help is the ducks will have to retain half his salary. I mean, they have to retain half anyway to stay above the cap floor. Yes, there's a cap floor. Don't forget, folks. All, all the teams talking about, oh, the salary cap, salary cap. Hey, there's a cap floor too. Yes. They have is. to be above a certain threshold. So anybody they have to else, re- retain half.
0: A- anybody else who's on the block potentially coming up at the deadline?
3: There's a lot of players. Let's go down some of those names. Okay. Um, First off, I've heard rumblings about... You know, Kevin Shattenkirk, even though he's a bit older, he still has a lot on his contract left, but that's also one year to go. As far as Shattenkirk goes, there's not a whole lot of value there, but if they can get something of value for Shadi, that could be worth it. Adam Henrique. Mm. He does have one year left after this. But there's going to be a number of teams that could use Henrique's services for what it's worth. And the big name, John Gibson. Believe it or not, John Gibson, there has been rumblings. I won't go into specifics, but there are rumblings that John Gibson possibly be traded. The trick with John Gibson is he's got a few years left on his contract. In fact, he has got, I believe, four years left after this season at almost six and a half million. So it's going to take a lot for a team to take on that contract. But at the same time, does have some value, and I think he would on a team that at least has a little bit of defense in front of him. John Gibson is seeing something like 40 plus shots almost every game this season. 75% of his starts have seen 39 plus shots against him. That's too much. Yeah, I it's a stupid stat. But it goes without saying, John Gibson would certainly do well in a place where he actually has some defense. But again, the ducks are going to have to eat some of that salary, which they can do because they have all the cap space in the world, but it would take a hefty package.
0: What kind of, I mean, other than draft picks, what else are the ducks looking for? Uh, Are they looking for prospects, young players who could fill out the roster and what, positions if any are they concentrating on
3: uh they need to concentrate on defense because defense has been their weak spot pretty much all season when you have okay when you have Dmitri Kulikov as your first pairing defenseman you know things are bad for the Ducks not that he's a bad defenseman just not a first pairing defenseman He's never had that role in the NHL. And if he has, it was very brief. Because I remember Kulikov, you know, way back when he was with Florida Panthers. And I don't recall him ever being a first-pairing defenseman. I don't know if you remember him at all in that
0: role. Yeah, no, not as a first-pair guy, no.
3: Yeah, he was typically second or third-pair, and that was it. Especially when he was with, um, I think it was New Jersey. Yeah, where he was constantly second pairing, third pairing, like he ne- he could never crack first. So that's when you know it's bad, Gil. That's when you <laughs> know losing Jimmy Drysdale for the season does not help matters at all. So defense is going to be the number one thing they're going to look at, but prospects certainly they're going to look at as many prospects as possible. The scouts are really really busy right now looking at both the NHL and the AHL and juniors right now. They're looking to get prospects.
0: Makes sense, Jason. Why don't you tell our viewers and our listeners where they can find the podcast and where they can find you on social media?
3: (laughs) Well, the podcast can be found wherever podcasts are heard. It's free and available across all platforms. Uh, The show's Twitter is at LO underscore Ducks. And my personal Twitter is at StimpyJD. Um, If you follow my personal Twitter, you may have seen a bit of news recently, which I guess I could share here as well, because it's all out. Um, I am now the permanent public address for the Coachella Valley Firebirds.
0: Congratulations.
3: Yeah, just this month. So really exciting to be part of a new team out in the Valley. And you know what? Guys, they're a really fun bunch. And you have Dan Bilesma. As the coach of the Firebirds. Yep. Just Dan Bosma, legendary. And hey, the Seattle Kraken, they're doing pretty well this season. And it's gone down to the Firebirds. So if you're in SoCal, check out a
0: Firebirds game. You'll hear my voice. (laughs) Excellent. Excellent. Jason, thanks so much for doing this. Always a pleasure talking with you. Thanks a lot, Gil. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the Locked On NHL podcast. want to thank my guest, Justin Pooney of Locked On Canucks, Dan Holmey of Locked On Capitals, and Jason Hernandez of Locked On Anaheim Ducks for joining me today. I'm Gil Martin. I'm here every Monday bringing you the biggest stories from around the NHL. And on Fridays, I co-host Locked On NHL along with Rachel Donner. Join us every Monday through Friday for the biggest stories from around the league. Have a great day, everyone, and thanks for listening to the Locked On NHL podcast.